This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello there. Welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast. My name is Peter Gowers. Joining me, as he always does, for the weekend edition is Leon Logan-Nathan. How are you, mate? I'm well. Once again, coming at you from the seventh floor of NT House, Ward Keller Boardroom. Loud and clear. For the last time this year, I believe. Yeah. Well, from here, yeah. Not the last podcast, but yes, live in the house. And joining us as he does for Weekends with Walsh each week, Christopher Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. Walshie, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, guys. Good to see you again in the flesh. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, it's the, nice. the flesh is doing well. I've had some pretty good feedback about uh, the quality of this podcast. But uh, there's a fair bit more logistics involved, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks uh, again to our um, illustrious uh, assistant, uh, Gaffer, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> Peter Kafkas. Thank you, guys. I'm here just to uh, listen to the three champions go go at it here tonight. So I won't be saying much, but uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Pete. Right, mate. Well, let's get straight into it. Uh, I thought last week was a big week, but I was. I think I'm wrong. This week was a big week yeah. in the news and I think dominated heavily by estimates, and we'll get to that in a bit. But... Um, even preceding that, we had some fairly significant um, exposure on the story. And it's somewhat indulgent, really, because it's really all about the NT independent <laughs> and the government's uh. Uh, refusal to um, recognize you guys as a legitimate media outlet. Well, yeah, you know, Leon, as the uh, uh, as a journalist, you don't want to be the story. That's the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, when you get into these situations with a government that uh, is going to behave in the way in which it's behaving, in the way in which it's you know destroying its own credibility, I think, or at least you know the the institutions that it represents and uh, the people's trust and faith in that to to operate honestly. When that when that kind of stuff stops happening, and I'm okay with that i'm okay with us becoming the story because really yes. it's a bigger story than us it's not about the anti-independent mm. in the end it really becomes about what this government's doing what it's capable of and i think it points to other issues right that that are unresolved here in the northern territory and i was at least heartened a little bit this week i mean i was going to write this very long analysis piece about how and I still think that this is true to some extent, but I've been heartened by some things that have happened this week. But the original kind of analysis piece would have been about how, you know, Gunner has unwittingly exposed the darkest kind of parts of the Northern Territory. And certainly Darwin has this idea, like we said in Crocs in the Cabinet, Ben Smee had, I think, the best line in the book, one of them when he said, Darwin is a frontier Gotham city. Yeah. You know, that um, with all these little internecine relationships and how everybody's connected. And when you start to get into a, a situation like this, where a government is operating like you said last week, like without the rule of law, you know, operating on its own, carrying out its own grudges and hoping that everybody goes along with it. That becomes really troubling to me and really disturbing and really exposes a lot of things that go that, that goes on that have have gone on here in the in, in Darwin and the NT uh, for years that, that nobody's come out and, and called them out on it. And yeah, we switch governments from time to time. But 
this kind of stuff of Darwin being a small place and everyone connected and everyone seemingly being dependent in one way or another on government. So you can't really go out and speak about it. And, and that's why it was good last week when you went on ABC radio and, and said what you did. And I think that carried a lot of weight. I know that when we ran the story, I think we said like a Darwin lawyer has said this and people were like, wow, that's actually significant because here's somebody local who knows how the game works here, I guess, for lack of a better phrase for that, um, coming out and standing up to the government. And, and that's surprising. Mm. And, you know, like I had a real issue with the law society and how they didn't respond to me. You know, I called Maria Savas, the president, said, look, we're doing a story about this. What's going on? What's the law society? Didn't hear back from her. But I know since, they, as I understand, they wrote a, a letter um, to Gunnar. So it's good that they're finally starting to get on board, I think. But like we we needed so many people to do it. And it's just, you know, if it isn't if it isn't money or them being dependent on government contracts that they're, they're looking after their own futures, maybe their own political futures or something. I get that sense that um, they don't want to do anything to rock the boat because they want to get into the party at some point. They want to drive around in the white cars and they want to be a part of this, this thing. But it, it's like, it cannot go on like this anymore. And we're like nearing the end of this for the Northern Territory. And I, I mean, to sound all doomsday like, but but this place can't go on like this. You can't have a government that just does what it wants, um, where the rules that are in place, like I was telling Jane Barden at ABC when they did a story, as you know, this week on on the national Radio National PM program. And I said, you know, when, when a government, when there's no recourse for us, mm. when there's no recourse, when a government and a chief minister can do whatever he wants. And like we talked about last week where you said that there are rules in place. There's the act, the Code of Conduct and Ethical Standards Act. He's clearly violating that. Mm. But who's going to hold him accountable? Because mm. the government controls the numbers in parliament. They're not going to refer him to the Privileges Committee. So he gets away with it. Mm. And it, it just seems so corrupt at that point. That mm. like How how is this? If the, if the rules are in place, but they're not being followed, what is this place? Man? Mm. And you tie that into all the financial issues and everything that's going on here. I mean, it's really been a troubling week. But like I said, I've been hard. I'm glad that the law society's finally kind of um, got involved. You, you, of course, kicked this all off, so we're thankful to you doing that. Peter Gresta, of course, was great. And um, I, I think that the pressure's there. I think we've, we're starting to hit this critical mass where people are saying, I'm not going to take this anymore. And really, that's what has to happen. And, and that should happen in Darwin a lot more than it does. But people should say, we're not going to take this anymore. Like, you guys can't do this. You actually can't do this. So I'm hoping we get there. And then tonight, of course, I, I was just checking this out. So apparently Senator Sam McMahon put forward a motion in the Senate this evening um, calling for um, Gunner, for calling for support, I guess, from the Senate, the Australian Senate to to get involved and to say that we're not going to tolerate this. They're condemning Gunner's behavior and his conduct on this and calling for the ban to be rescinded. And she got unanimous support in the Senate. Wow. wow. So even Labour yeah. Senators said yeah. and Green Senators said, you know, and they've been they've been playing that drum for a while, talking about press freedoms and stuff. But then they've got somebody in their own party in the Northern Territory mm. undermining press freedoms completely in a full out assault on them. Mm. And and so they've they've come out now and said, no, we condemn Michael Gunner for doing what he's doing. So, so how, how is that, that's a motion that's been put yeah. and passed. Yeah. Now, the Senate doesn't have any power to actually force them to. But my God, if I don't know how how much further we have to go in terms of being embarrassed and at what level do we start questioning. That will surely hit the, the front page of, of all the newspapers tomorrow, I would have thought. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, we'll see here. Even the online ones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it certainly will be there. Um, 
yeah, but I, I just think that it, it again puts that on the national stage. It's been on the international stage and it just gets to be a point where at what point does he try and save face or what he can have face oh, at this well, point but like forget about that yeah but just the respectability of the yeah. institution of the northern territory government needs to be considered here and it clearly hasn't been considered mm. before now and i hope that this is starting to dawn on him that yeah you know what bud your own petty grudges yes. you can't conduct yourself carrying out your own petty grudges yeah. you have to be above that you're the leader of the northern territory yeah do better um and, and get rid of this assault on the freak press yeah. so. look I'll, I'll tell you look what what drove me to do that was just watching what's been happening in the U.S. for the last four years, mm. right? And you know, I'm as you as you know from having spoken with me and obviously on the podcast quite a few times with Pete. You know, I, I do read the New York Times and the Washington Post every day, and uh, and I read other uh, you know, articles online. It is so incredibly troubling what's happened over there over the last four years, the attack on the institutions, just even now after the election. I mean, it's still yeah. going. It's probably ramping yeah, yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you've got these people living in their own little bubbles about what's happening. And here we are in the Northern Territory, and I'm watching this happen to you, yeah. you know, and I thought, okay, well, let's just see, you know, it'll be something that'll pass in a little while. And, you know, it's been March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and here we are, November, December. Mm. Now, it's deplorable. It's utterly deplorable, and I just I just couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it, but, you know, to put Ward Keller's name out there, I obviously had to speak with my partners about mm. it, mm-hmm. um, and I did. And not a single partner objected to what I was doing. In fact, I had the support mm. of the partnership to do that. Mm. So, you know, that's one thing I'm really proud about of this firm. That uh, I, And it's not just us. If you look at the history of this firm, there's a, we've, there's a book out there actually about the history. of the, It has a track record in the Northern Territory of standing up for issues that are not popular, mm. right? Dick Ward did it. Um, and, and, you know, quite a few other people uh, that have been partners. And there's quite a few people from Ward Keller that have gone on to be judges. So, you know, it, it, I didn't do it because of that. But when I reflect on it, it's that long-standing tradition of standing up for what's right. And I'm so disappointed to hear from you that there are people out there that agree with this, but for issues of money and other other reasons – aren't prepared to come forward. I can tell you for a fact that when you published that article uh, about what about uh, what I had written to the uh, Privileges Committee, I got uh, and also me being on the ABC, yeah. I got text messages, I got emails saying congratulations, really great, you know, wish we could have done it, blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. yeah, that's it takes somebody I guess to start it going, but but this has happened for so long. I mean, if you didn't do that, though, I mean, would we still be in a place where nobody's going to say anything? And that happened a lot with the previous government, too. I mean, people are just afraid of saying anything and they're afraid of, you know, retaliation. Um, and we've seen that with people like we've spoken about before. So, yeah, it's good. I think once one person starts doing it then everybody starts getting on board and they realize that they're the ones, they're the bosses. We're the bosses. We're the ones that, they, that are the bosses of those guys over there, that they're elected to serve us. And until until we start taking control of that power, 
and yeah. letting him know, you know, the NT News, there's their little powerful list there. Um, yeah. yeah, Michael Gunner, I don't know, they'll put him number one. I don't think he is. I think he's got to be reminded of who the, and guess what, Michael Gunner, the boss isn't Scott Morrison either, pal. Yeah. Remember when he did that and he did a text and he's elbow bumping the prime minister saying, oh, it's good yeah. to meet up with the boss. Like how he didn't realize yeah. that the, the Territorians are his boss. Well, I honestly think, yeah. I honestly think Michael Gunner has been, is caught up in, in his spin. And the spin of the people oh, yeah. that are around him, yeah. you know, that little media bubble that operates on the fifth floor mm. that produces, you know, uh, Instagram photos of, of, you know, bringing kids to the parliament house and all that sort of stuff. I think he's caught in that. Yeah. And I think there's, there are sycophants in there that are telling him what he wants to mm. hear not dissimilar to what's happening with Trump over there. Mm. I, I'm not comparing him to Trump. He's no Trump, right? Thank God for that. Mm. But Jesus, he's he's on a he's on the spectrum. Let's just say, <laughs> that, right? Yeah. Ooh, that's well, no, you're words. you're absolutely right, Leon. You're absolutely right by his conduct and doing. You know, we, that's how you judge somebody's by their actions, right? And so when we look at Gunner's actions, he's acting like a little dictator, like an authoritarian, and and it's just not going to work here. And it's just not going to work here. Maybe it works in the states where you can get some crazies lined up and that they'll do whatever just to cause trouble for people. But it's not going to work in the Northern Territory in Australia in 2020. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad that we're we're finally, I think I get the sense that we're finally coming to some sort of head with this whole thing. I don't know what, maybe not. I mean, Are maybe he's just going to keep going. No, we keep sending them questions. We sent them questions about some stories that we're going to get into this week and they just, again, well, ignored us. Yeah. But, but, you know, what Peter Gresta offered to, to mediate. And they and, said, no, we can't mediate hate. What, yeah. uh, what on earth does that actually even mean? Uh, I heard I, that. I don't think they understand. Look, it, it, well, they're trying it, to make it so. He, he's rattled off this line about a hate page. We know the history that we don't need to discuss that here. But a hate page and hate speech is very different to some bozo taking the piss. And let's yeah. be honest, that's what that page is. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I'm sure you can be offended by some things, but, man, I'm offended by other things every day of the week <laughs> that don't have to be on Facebook pages. Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not actual, like, hate to make fun of a politician. Like, when, when, when Gunnar does that, that's part of some narrative that they've formed over there. They keep calling it a hate page. And, like, the anti-independent, he's, he's calling the anti-independent a hate page. I mean, there's no hate on there. But no. the idea is to get it in people's minds that they think that it's something really awful and sinister that's going on when really – Owen Pike's making fun of Michael Gunner and his yeah. and his friends, and that really hurts Michael Gunner's feelings. And it's so easy, yeah, because yeah, and he's easy got such target. thin skin. So yeah, um, yeah. So they they keep calling it that, but I think people have seen through that. And you know, like everybody said, Peter Grust has said, Leon Loganathan has said, Chris Walsh has said repeatedly on ABC, show us where we've done anything wrong at the NT Independent. Show us mm -hmm. any story that isn't fair, that hasn't given you right of reply for anything. Even when we don't get the right yeah, of reply, yeah. I go and find their quotes from somewhere else, and I'll put them in if it's related to the story yeah. um and they, they can't do that they can't tell us except for gunners going off saying you know because he personally dislikes the owner of the independent he's now calling him do, a, they, do they actually know each other uh, no uh, owen said that he met him a couple of times i guess mm -hmm. but i think it was just in brief meetings when he was the head of the manufacturing yeah. council i think in that sense i don't yeah. think they know each other personally though so, yeah <laughs> yeah whole, now leah finocchiaro i thought performed extremely well in estimates this week of what yeah. I saw. I, I didn't see everything. No, but I thought I think so I, too, actually. Yeah. Um, she asked a lot of hard questions um, and, and, and she didn't let go, yeah. you know, of issues. 
Now, one of the things that she asked, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at this transcript because I watched the live part of it. Mm-hmm. She asked about the NT-Independent. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I saw that live, yeah. Uh, and I'd be interested in, to know what her um, views are on all of this because I, I, the CLP, I don't know what their views are. I haven't spoken mm-hmm. to anybody in the CLP about about the Independent. I think they've been, they've been quoted saying that the gunner should lift the ban. Right, and that, and 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 doing that for free speech, and um, you know, the right of reporting from media. Um, I guess yeah, at the federal level, level Sam McMahon's come out a lot. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. got to carry a lot of weight, surely, yeah. especially when it's both sides of uh, politics as well. You know, she did that right from the beginning. She wrote a column for us about that when Gunner banned us, like within a week of that. We were trying to get people then too to do, to come on board and say yeah. what they thought of it, and she was one of the first people to come out. And you know, like we've we've not been, you know, we've been fair with her too, but you know, we've written stories that aren't in her advantage and probably may have. You know, caused her some issues at times, but like she seems to get what the press is all about, and that yeah, it's yeah. not about being friends, and that it's not about writing glowing things. She'd probably also put a hand up and go, "Yeah, fair enough. I, I deserve yeah, that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that she gets that though, and that's what Gunner doesn't get. That Gunner, you know, wants to be friends. You know, like that was the one thing. Can I tell you? Because we know people, of course, and government and stuff. And um, one of the people on the fifth floor was saying that. The, the the Maria Bilius, so the communications director, had told some of the media advisors, uh, you're not going out with the journalists enough and drinking with them enough. Uh-huh. And that's what's the problem here. Yeah. I mean, they, this is that CLP stuff. You know, yeah. Adam Giles brought in a consultant from the Howard years yeah. who came in and he was some old grizzled guy. I can't remember him now. And he said, I have a problem here is the girls ain't getting a leg over the journeys <laughs> of journalists and down. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it was it was remarkable. We and did he came a story from the about deep it. South as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this idea that 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 and this has gone on with labor for from the beginning from the Gunner government that they can just be friends with media and that as long as they keep them happy and they give them things and they do this that they'll get preferential treatment. Uh-huh. But that's that's what he that's how he thinks journalists yeah, work. That's how Maria Bilius thinks yeah. it works. And it isn't how it works. Like well, yeah. you've but got to, to be to be fair journalist. though, you know, I read the same sort of stories about the federal government and media. You know, the sort of private briefings and all that sort of stuff. It goes on everywhere mm. by the sounds of it. But one question I do want to ask, and I, again, it goes back to what uh, Leah's questioning. She specifically asked Gunnar in, in the um, in estimates, mm. did he direct the public service yes. not to respond to your questions? And he said no. Mm-hmm. Now, did, did you get that? Did you see mm-hmm. that? Right. So what the heck's going on? Well, I think that he's got to keep his hands clean and uh, that somebody else did it. I mean, clearly somebody did it. Well, I was disappointed that Leah didn't take that opportunity to say to Jody Ryan, who was sitting right next to him, all right, Jody, why are you not responding? Because she's the head public servant. Why are you not responding? the question broader than that? It was, hasn't the government been instructed? So whether it's him saying it. Yeah, but then he said, I didn't do it. Yeah. So, of course, he didn't. Maria Billis probably, you know, somebody could have done it in there. I mean, I don't know who, but they're not responding to us. We know that to be true. We know that to be a fact that that there were questions answered early on 
with Hugh Heggie that, that didn't get sent to us, even though they were answered. And then somebody said, you're not sending those answers to them. And that was in the middle of a pandemic. No yeah. That's when you should be getting, when you'd be trying to disseminate information to the public. News out there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. they started blocking it. So that's when we realized, okay, we've got a problem here. And this is clearly an order from the fifth floor and from the chief minister's office. So whoever did it in there, I mean, Gunner's not, I mean, to say that, oh, okay, well, then you're a great guy, Michael. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. realize it wasn't you who gave the order. What did you do when you found out about the order being made? Did you lift it? But it's not, no. cre- it's not credible. No. Because not. he's the one publicly saying, yeah. Well, I hate them. I, or they're a hate I can't them. spit like he spits yeah. when he talks, but you know, <laughs> hey, pages, hey, pages. That's yeah. what he says every yeah. time. So, for, what is someone else making the decision or the directive for him to not do it? That doesn't stand. Yeah, out. and no, look, and I and I asked Maria straight up in the in the hall there one day at Parliament House when we went in. We just went in for our press accreditation from the Legislative Assembly, and they happened to be doing a press conference, and we didn't even know about it. We're there with all the other media. <laughs> And she's like, no, you can't come up. And I said, well, Maria, like, who, who, who made this decision? Whose call yeah. was this? And she said, it was me and Michael. We did it together. There you go. So, look, at the risk of being labeled a hate page myself, <laughs> right? I, I do want to sort of segue a little bit because this really caught my attention on estimates. Mm. Now, I think we, we, we all know that Michael Gunner has a problem with the word significant, <laughs> right? Yeah. For, for, for he reason, uses it a lot. Uh, he, he uses it a lot, but he, he, he doesn't say significant. He says significant, mm. right? And he said it a lot in estimates. Mm. Now, what really caught my attention was at one point in estimates, uh, Mark Guyala, Yingya Guyala, I wanted to ask a question. And English is not his first language, clearly. No. And, uh, you know, he was very um, deliberate in the way he asked the question. It was ri- He had written it down. Mm-hmm. But he had the word significant in his question, and he pronounced it perfectly. <laughs> and I was just gobsmacked. <laughs> you know <laughs> Look, it, it, it's <laughs> it, – You've got to be careful in this day and age, though, of, of, of pointing these things out. Because you're absolutely right. You'll get labelled as something. But this guy runs the territory and he's been in power for four-plus years and none of this stuff has improved. You know, we've seen bad media operators over the years, but by the end of their terms, you know, they get better. It's it's flatlined from day one. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like he gave up on it. Even the king's speech by the end of the movie, <laughs> he improved. <laughs> exactly. But but you know, like with that, yeah, I mean, it's communication issues. But uh, why why would you keep using the word? Why not exactly. find something else to do? Find like another I, word. It large. seems a stubborn thing to do, or something. I don't. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, but that was a lot of significant news. Anyway, I, uh, I yeah, uh, we'll we'll see where that lands. But I, I just, I, it it really it captured me in a really positive way. To see a guy like Yinya come out and mm. obviously, you know, he, he, speaking English is a challenge. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. see it. Yeah, we've interviewed right? him before and he said, can I just, I want to get this out in my language first and then I'm going to put it in English for you. Yeah, said, yeah. Oh, absolutely, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but oh, I thought it was, it was really remarkable. Anyway, uh, it does lead in to a second story. It does. He's in the spotlight again. This is something we've been talking about for a while. Uh, so the chief uh, has come out and said that he will produce the secret China agreement and 
he's changed what the story is about again. <laughs> so what's this change number three, four, or five? Mm, yeah, it's getting stranger here. <laughs> but, of course, like we're also getting closer to, like we have at the bottom of the thing, right, is that federal legislation. Yes. Set yes. the pass here, um, which, yeah, will give the federal government, well, I guess, kind of clarify their, their responsibility there in terms of, any type of agreement that's signed with a foreign government um, yep. can now be terminated by the federal government if they determine it's not in the national interest. So that includes tourism and trade agreements, education deals, and sister city relationships. Right. So you remember this now back in back in June, I think. It was, was it June? Now it must have been July or August because June we reported on it was July or August. He gets asked about it in Parliament House from, um, and it must have been July because August we were at the election. So in July, Terry Mills uh, asked him about it and he got very defensive and very angry and he said at the time it's a sister cities arrangement that mm. i've signed and we thought that was unusual at the time so you know the government anti-government doesn't really get into those type of, of agreements um so the story like you guys know i filed the foi in june a month before and i you know we didn't get it back until late last month and they wouldn't give us the document and they gave us no reason for not giving us the document. We know it exists. We have photos of it. We know that it exists. And they just haven't given it to us. So um, it was good Leah Finacchiaro brought it up this week. And again, like, you know, it's very unusual that a that a, a leader would go on an international visit, sign something, and not let people know back home what yeah. it is he signed. Like, that's very unusual. Just put it out in a press release. It's odd. Look, it's just a little sister cities arrangement or something. Like, fine. But he didn't do that. And he didn't talk about it. Like, remember, this is October 2019 yep. that he does this. He comes back, and the first time he mentions it is in July 2020 when he's asked about it in Parliament House after we reveal these photos. So um, the whole thing just stinks. And like I was telling you guys last time, like I, I was starting to believe he doesn't know what it is. Mm. He actually signed that, you know, there's a lot of photos, a lot of cameras flashing, a lot of people talking over there. They throw something, oh, sure. And everyone's happy to get back to the wine. <laughs> sure. He was drinking a lot of wine and we got those photos of him. Had a purple tongue there for a while. I don't know if he signed it on the same night, but, uh, but that's what they do, right? I mean, they, they want to be your friend over there. They want to get, and I, mm. I just have always been concerned. You know, years ago with the CLP, when they were going over there, we were getting calls from people like lawyers in Singapore and stuff saying, you know what these guys are like over here? Like, they don't know. They're way out of their league here. And if anyone would be, it's it's Michael Gunner these days. So he says anyway, so now he gets asked about it in estimates and he says, um, oh, this has gone well off track from talking about budget estimates. So he doesn't, he gets a little cagey there and he doesn't want to answer it. And then he starts saying that that it's in different departments, right? Like, and he doesn't know. Apparently, he doesn't know where the agreement is because it was signed when he went over there in October 2019. He was with a delegation from Department of Trade, Business and Innovation. And now they've called themselves something else. Now they're called Department of Industry, Tourism and Trade. Uh, Somehow. The I filing cabinet's been moved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. And then is he there, says. Is the word innovation thrown in there somewhere? Yeah, you, that's you, it used to be. Usually they, they drop innovation in the uh, industries and they want now. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, what, yeah, no, that's right. It was innovation before. <laughs> um, so he says that that it's it's there. He can't get it now. In estimates, you can get it. He's up there for eight hours or something. There's time. You call the, the chief. So you call Sean Drabs and you say, hey, bring it down. Yeah. <laughs> you know where it is. Um, but he says it's unlikely I'll get a hold of a different department and a copy of that report prior to me leaving. 
But if you put the question on notice, then that's like I should be able to do. That is how our chief minister spoke. That's like how I should be able to do. Yeah. He said, if the question on notice is provided, then that's like I should be able to do. (laughs) And so then he said, and then he says, and I think it's with the Department of Education, too, by the way. And then he says, I think in that instance, it's actually a school's cooperation document or something, but they'll be able to get it from the education department. So that right there contradicts his claim. And he said yeah. it was a sister city thing, right? And when did he say, did he say that in Parliament? He said that in Parliament. So yeah. that's misleading Parliament. Yeah, that's on the record. He has said that. So we'll get back into that. Whenever he tables this now, like he has until like what thirty days or something, or I think they give them more because it's Christmas. I think he gets six weeks to respond. I'm so it's sometime the filing cabinet. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, be the end of January. Um, but but here's the thing about that: if it's in a different department, they've got a whole other issue with the FOI stuff. So they've. When I put in the freedom of information request for that, I asked for this document specifically and I didn't get it and they didn't explain to me why. But he would have known at that time where it was like the department of if it was in Department of Business, let's call it that for the sake of ease here, then the, the FOI should have been directed over there. That's under the act. They need to do that to send it to the relevant agency or if it's in Department of Education, like he says, it's a school cooperation document or something. It should have gone to the Department of Education. In fact, it didn't is a violation of that act, right. of the Information Act. Yeah. So we'll see now he's given himself a deadline really on this to to, to yeah. do this of somewhere around January 20th, 21st, somewhere yeah. in there. So uh, let's see. I, I imagine some, some stories will change by that point too because – Is this estimates thing um, like what they say is it, you know – legally binding or if you just give the complete wrong information or change from previous things, is there any repercussions for that? Well, you know how this government operates. (laughs) (laughs) No, and and look, there's been a lot of lies told this week. A Mm. lot of lies. Even just this afternoon, I was listening to one saying, whoa, that's just just not true. And I'm texting the MLAs saying, hey, you guys got to ask about this because this is just, he's lying to you all. And that's gone on for years here. But um Anyway, and we'll get into that, I guess, in a bit, but back to the China thing. Anyway, I think we're getting closer. He knows that the walls are coming in on him on that stuff, too, and with with the federal government passing that legislation now that he's going to be legally obligated to report that to them. So we'll get it. We'll get it. If there's nothing to it, you'd produce it. There's something they're hiding. And look, this um, this federal legislation is no doubt aimed to knock out this Belt and Road deal that Victoria did. There's no doubt about that. But this will get caught up in it. It mm. has to. No, oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way it's a sister and, city or a bloody. Yeah, and the fact yeah. you mentioned that though. So the year that, that that Andrews did that, Gunner was there in Beijing around the same time that Andrews right. was doing it, and that's like really never been reported. But I was looking at the timing, and I was like. They probably shared about a day in there somewhere. Like, so what is this? Is this an extension of this? Now, the other thing that we know, a friend sent me that about uh, this Chinese language newspaper reporting that the gunner had signed uh, an agreement on the future strategic and pragmatic cooperation between the NT and Shenzhen with the Chinese official. That is is frightening words. The Chinese are using those words. And gunner, but you know, gunner's done interviews where he's come out in favor of Belt and Road over there, not here. But yeah. over there, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we got to be wary of the credibility of the reporting there. But he, he has, I think, said, yeah. he did say it here actually too at, at a meeting with Daryl Guppy saying that, uh, it's a great name. It's a by good way. thing. Yeah. Saying that the Guppy. port deal, that's Guppy. what, Guppy, oh, right. yeah. that's what he said. The port deal 
was right. beneficial for the great country of China and also the Northern Territory, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Like I, he, think, he, I think Australia has, has signed up to a China deal. It's just not the Belt and Road deal. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. the Belted and Road to Ruin deal by the sounds <laughs> of it at the moment yeah. for all the exports. Sneaky that we pay forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some issues there. <laughs> right, mate. Um, Still on the subject of uh, estimates, the Gunner government is taking federal cash intended for private companies to build and upgrade the territory's roads and using it to hire more public servants? Yeah. Even the professor over there is a big sight. Even I know that we've got too many public servants. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Well, this one, so, you know, like I said with the estimates, so they've crammed them all in and they're doing like, what are they doing? Like 15-hour days of this stuff. Like it's just completely crazy. So I'm I'm watching it and then I'm trying to read over the transcript from the stuff late at night the night before and Dipple's up and I know that there's going to be something with Dipple because there always is. I mean that is one of the strangest departments that we have. So um so I find that uh the Andrew Kirkman the chief executive mm-hmm. um he's being asked what kind of savings are you finding in the department here right everybody's been asked to find savings mm. fiscal crisis is very much upon us you need to find savings and he he can't point to anything he said something about computerized services at MVR so people don't have to so their employees don't have to go down to the MVR <laughs> like, like it was so weird stationery is there any you know, <laughs> pencils or? and then yeah and then Gerard Malley says um, member for Nelson now he says uh, he says says, why are you avoiding this? Like, give me a real, like, what are you finding in yeah. terms of efficiencies in the department? If I've got to do it, what are you finding? And he says something about fleet again, reducing the amount of fleet. And then he says, oh, and I should tell you that, you know, we use this money that we get from the federal government for roads <laughs> to increase our numbers. So, because he, he rules out completely, look, there's no way we're making any savings by cutting positions in the department, just not going to cut any positions. And this comes from the top gunners said the same thing, don't cut anybody. So he says, but I can tell you guys in terms of efficiencies, which we know now he's making absolutely no cost efficiency, <laughs> like cost cutting measures at all. But he says, don't worry about it. We've got all these public servants, but we can pay for them because we're taking federal cash earmarked for roads And we're using it to hire more public servants and to bring in more consultants, too. He says that he needs specialist advice. So even if you take that notion that, okay, they'll need managers when they get all this federal funding and to do roads. So, yeah, okay, they've got to hire somebody. You think that they've already had these people hired and there's Mm. a continuity here. Um, But even if they, they, (laughs) they do that. Those people are focused on the roads. Why do you need to bring consultants in then? Yeah, yeah. Again, he's saying we need that for their specialist advice. Now, I think in in all of this story, and it was just one of those things, and and Gerard Manley was good to follow up on it and said, wait a second. So you're telling me you're taking money from roads that are meant for roads and not doing roads and just hiring public servants. And (laughs) evil others said, no, 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 that's not it. But Kirkman's trying to explain. And he says, no. He says, we've done roads. Like, we've done a lot of roads. But he said, we can take that money and we can hire more public servants and consultants, but I need to get that approved by my minister, who's Eva Lawler and cabinet. Yeah. And and so basically they've been doing that. They've been approving. Despite the freeze. Yeah. And yeah. despite knowing that, yeah, the, the financial situation, I, I think it goes back to like this almost shows the, the entire problem 
with the anti-public service and this government and how they think. Like Kirkman only said that because he thought it was a good thing. He thought that he was showing (laughs) how it's money. We just moved it somewhere else. Yeah. And and it's just crazy because they're competing. Like you're taking money. So when when Scott Morrison announced $190 million for NT roads in October in the budget, he was talking about COVID stuff. And he was saying like, you know, this is going to keep jobs. It's going to get jobs going up there and we need to do the roads. And plus we have such a big infrastructure deficit since the beginning, since since self-government days. So what that means though, is the private companies come in, you hire construction people, you get construction going. That's infrastructure. That's mm. build the roads and the so bridges. When you allocate and- 190 million towards roads, yeah. the, the, the <coughs> prime minister was assuming that the money would go towards roads. Yeah. Right. Okay. I see. I see. <laughs> well, and he was thinking that it would actually go to private companies to then, you know, the economy grows a little bit yeah, more as yeah. the money's there. Build those roads. Yeah. They spend it elsewhere. He's, he's yeah. not talking about bringing in more public servants for the NT government. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. And that's, but, you know, that gets into that issue of, you know, in a, a story that I did a couple of years for ABC, which was where's that indigenous disadvantage money going yeah. from the federal government when it gets here, right? Which well, we've was, talked about before. Yeah. With, and it's uh, going. Scott McConnell. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to I mean, the he, water parks. You would know. Yeah. His, yeah, his claims were beyond wild. They, If they're even 10% true, it's yeah. unforgivable. No, they are. I mean, they what, what Scotty knows, he knows. And, you know, you had a situation there where, and this is very similar to this road thing, and it made me think of that, was... <laughs> the government was saying something like, because 90% of people incarcerated in the NT are indigenous, therefore 90% of the funding we get in corrections, so we put in corrections, is indigenous spending. Yeah. Even though they're hiring bureaucrats yeah. and they're, who, who will never see an indigenous yeah. person in a, yeah. in a jail anywhere, but because, you know, they can connect it that way. And this is exactly what they're doing here. And the fact that, like, Kirkman's coming out trying to pitch this as a positive I just think that we're in a lot worse trouble than we thought and that that public service is not like it's just not going to happen until there's yeah. federal intervention, which we've talked about before. But the fact that they think that's OK to take money, they should be going to private industry and also to to build the Northern Territory and get this infrastructure that we need. Yeah, they yeah. think that's OK to just hire public yeah. service and consultants. Well, I to mean, present that's an addiction on yeah. their part to do that. And, and listen, just just on the start of what you responded with there. Because I was talking to somebody during the week who highlighted to me the fact that, you know, there was a lot of eyebrow raising over the fact that the chief minister made himself the treasurer. And, you know, the former treasurer stepped down seemingly suddenly. Of course, we know the books are a debacle, what have you. But it was pointed out to me that there's a strategy behind that because he can only be on whatever it is, the stand or wherever he makes his responses from for a certain period of time. Yeah. So if he holds both portfolios, his time doesn't double. It stays the same. Mm. And it was a tactic, apparently, with every intention of handing that over at some point in the near future, but to get through this obstacle first. I mean, that's that's devious in nature. Yeah, it's, but it's all part of their strategy, right, is that. Mm. I mean, to cram it all into the 15 hours a day, he's hoping that journalists yeah. aren't paying attention and people aren't paying attention. I mean, you can only get so many stories out of this. Like, I've seen what ABC's done. I've seen what NT News done. I know what we've done. But we're all just kind of just scratching the surface here. And, the, and when yeah. you put it all together, you have so many stories come out that people lose track of this stuff because it's like, wow, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy that they're using – 
roads money to hire public servants. It should be go. That's crazy. But and then they they realize seven million overspend on that car park down there, and they're like, that's crazy. And then you go on to something else that ABC was, and that's crazy. And it's just like it's it's just overload. Just overload the senses with all of this garbage yeah. right now, and you'll get away with it. And by next week, everyone will forget because there's yeah. just been sensory overload. Up the so, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Con will do something. <laughs> just like passing uh, the the new pet laws. Just all yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they don't even come out and do that properly. They just put it in a press release and say, yeah, there you yeah. go we've done it i mean this government is sorely lacking on accountability and the way that they've done this and 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 the way that they've just rushed everything with this with these estimates there's so much stuff that we could go through and really get a better understanding so i'm trying to grab little things like that that i just read and i think well this is bigger than you think and this Mm. is worth exploring right now but then you know tomorrow morning there's going to be some other crazy thing that's come Mm. out so can we declare a banana republic at this point well, uh, Leah was asking the question in estimates. She said, look, uh, prior to COVID, you had forecast a, a, a surplus in 10 years. Now, <laughs> now, uh, you know, now there's no surplus. When are we planning to have a surplus? And he wouldn't answer. <laughs> Didn't answer the question. No, he referred her to a page in <laughs> yeah. the budget. Please explain. Said, yeah. There's no, and that was, that was very interesting because in that whole thing, she pointed out so many flaws in their whole budget process and how, and, and really their forward planning for everything. I mean, he continues to say the future is going to be based on mining royalties, GST, which we oh, yeah. just listened to them cry and complain for years, yeah. for the last two years about how they're not getting enough GST. But all of a sudden, the GST is going to solve all of our problems. Like, yeah. it's just crazy when you think about it and have to listen to estimates for that long. And these, the, and they, they say this and they believe that. I think he believes this stuff. And uh, what was the other thing he's going to do? Major projects, because we've got so many of those in the pipeline. We've been talking about them for years. Yeah, and finally, yeah. they're going to come on and they're going to so save major. us all. It's I, not going to happen. And, and she really exposed that. And this government has no vision for the future and it has no plan for its present. <laughs> and it sure as hell is no way to deal with the debt that it's accrued over the past four years either. So. I think at some point we, we need to quote George Costanza. And just simply say, it's not a lie if you believe it. Because <laughs> it appears that's that's what they're doing. But yeah. I think our listeners also need to know that Leah reinforced that uh, through her questioning that we are paying $1 million a day in interest on our loans. Wow. $1 million a day. That's just on the interest. And we're borrowing $4 million a day. So that would have to be increasing then. Because yeah. if, if your borrowings are increasing, your interest has to be. Wow. And it will. And that net debt to revenue ratio, that thing is just really scary. And, like, you know, I think we've talked about this, right? Like, Gunner thinks that he's like, oh, it's okay because it's not as bad as the federal government's. So we're doing okay. <laughs> well, no, but the federal government can actually raise revenue. <laughs> you cannot do yeah, that. You yeah. can't do that on GST revenue. Yeah. And you can't do it on imaginary uh, mining royalties, which they've already forecasted are dropping and going down. But he's saying that's going to yeah. save us too. I mean, yeah, he, he totally contradicted himself in estimates from what was in the budget, the actual figures in the yeah. budget. What he said in estimates were did not coincide with that. that there was no reconciling those two things. And wow. so, yeah, you got to ask yourself, is he lying or just kidding himself? I don't yeah. know. He might be using the money cheap theory. Like, that's what, yeah, that's what Eva said this week. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I think it was the chair of the estimates committee that actually raised it on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's been impressive this week in there in that role as chair. No, I, I know Leah tested him a few times, and I think he sorely wanted to kick her out or do something, but he just <laughs> couldn't bring himself to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but on the subject of, of uh, um, consultants, I see the NT News has written an article on Michael Tennant coming back in the form of an associate partner at Ernst & Young, my alma mater, um, to do what? Lead an overarching redesign program for the Department of Health. Like, what the heck, mate? Yeah. We need our consultants. But, you know, this whole redevelopment, redesign, um, refocusing, whatever they're spinning it as, but rebuilding the health department or amalgamating it all and and complete restructure of the health department. That came out in estimates this week. They weren't putting out press releases about this before that. Like, this all came out that week, too. I mean, it's like throw it everything you can because let them sift through it and it's just too much and people can't comprehend it all. So this came out this week and then we find out that the whole plan all along was to bring Michael Tennant back. Now, that's an interesting choice. I don't know. Like, you you know Michael. Yeah, I've been in a couple of times. I don't really know him that well, though. I've been in a few meetings with him. I've found him to be pretty good on the FOI stuff when I when he was at the Department of Business and I put an FOI there like he, he met with me and would go over things which I appreciated uh, well liked for the most part in the public service um, what I find interesting about it, so the story is that like why he left and it wasn't that long ago was it, no. it was like earlier this year or, no I heard his you know, partner didn't like staying in Darwin oh, but that's, oh yeah yeah but you know oh, the real but the real reason <laughs> is that that's really what he told people the real reason that one yeah 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 and the easy one to use uh-huh. but the real reason that I you know the people were talking and saying is that it's because it was damaging his credibility and his reputation and he didn't want to be a part of the NT government anymore and he needed to get the hell out of here because he didn't want this. He know he knew where he saw the writing on the wall. He knew exactly where this government, where Gunner and Nicole Madison and Files are taking this place. And he said, "I'm getting the hell out of here." Well, I still have my reputation intact right. because you stay here long enough in the public service, you're going to maybe do things that you never thought you would do before. Um, and you might have to. And you might have to lie for somebody. You might have to do that. Like I mean, this is stuff that you know. I just. We we know happens, and we know that uh, some of them are quite good at embracing it. And the people who've stayed here for a really long time seem to be good at embracing what it means to work in the anti-public service and to raise and to rise to that point where their chief executives tenants seem to be a guy who thought, yeah, these guys, I'm not, I'm not on board with this. I don't want to do this stuff anymore. So he left. So I find it interesting they're bringing them back now on the own. Here's some cash and uh, set this up. I mean, I, yeah, it just seems like it's something that was already done, right, before they. Yeah. I mean, when I talk to some public servants, they say to me, well, you know, we're, we're not earning anywhere near as much as the consultants are earning. Uh, and when you think about the public service wages here compared to the private sector, I mean, I just don't, it's just, the numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah. But somehow they're 
paying these guys like KPMG and these other groups around town enough to keep them all in business. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, at least with KPMG and, and Deloitte, they're here. Yeah. Uh, you know, bringing Michael up from Brisbane means that all that money is getting getting straight sent straight down south. Yeah. You know, it's not circulating in the economy here, that's for sure. Business class <laughs> FS. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll be watching that one, though. Don't worry mm. about that. Something happens. <laughs> well, of course, I was out and about in the city uh, yesterday, I think it was. Lots of brightly coloured uh, union people getting around and waving their flags and, um, you know, it all looked pretty peaceful and pleasant, but the union boss has, has come out and said, we, we don't have a relationship with the chief minister uh, as far as the union's concerned. Yeah, that you would think is somewhat surprising. Yeah. <laughs> because of uh, labor and how, you know, that's their base and their core. And the, those people are the same people who volunteered and came out. Well, I don't know if they volunteered or were paid to get Gunnar elected, but, you know, heavily involved in the campaign. Um, so when we hear this now, uh, it, you know, and this is all about the uh, this uh, wages policy, which, again, getting back testaments and when Leo was asking about the budget, Gunnar pointed to the single largest cost savings measure that he's making is um, this wages policy, as he calls it. And so what that means is essentially a pay freeze for four years on the public servants in exchange for a thousand dollar a year bonus. And they don't like that idea. And he kind of sprung it on them from what they're saying. Now, I mean, this was something, of course, that came up in the Langelant report, but Jesus knows he didn't implement anything else from there. So why would anybody <laughs> <laughs> think he was actually going to do this? Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I get their point on this. Like, there were so many, you know, there's like 135 other things he could have chose to do, spin the wheel around. Anyway, he fell on this one and they don't like it. So they were protests. And I don't know, I think there was 50, 60 people yeah, there or something. Like it, I said, yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that he didn't sit down and talk to them about it beforehand is really surprising. But on the same hand, it's not with him because it seems to me that he doesn't want to communicate with people very much. I mean, this is back to the dictatorial idea here that here he is mm -hmm. and he's going to push this through. And what the hell are you people going to do about it? You're not going to do yeah, anything yeah. now. And I'll be gone when I want to go within the next four years before the next election. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I don't get that, but that's just how he's kind of done it. So, Kay Densley, now the head of the CPSU, is saying that, look, he won't meet with us. You had Jarvis Ryan with the Education Union saying that he's never met with the chief minister since he became the chief minister. Right. He's tried. Wow. But he keeps deflecting him off to the education minister, who's usually been a quite junior minister, who's not, uh, and, you know, in other places, education minister is quite a good role. But here it's always kind of seen as a junior role. Um, so he wasn't getting anywhere. So these unions now, I mean, these people who are conceivably Gunner's best friends in all of this are now getting a little upset with him. And I don't know where his core base is. Well, he's still got the public servants and he's using federal cash for roads to keep them on board. So, yeah. but you know, when you've got the union that represents them coming out and saying that, at what point does it become an issue for him and something that he does have to address because... Hey, is it just me, but, uh, you know, from having a sort of private enterprise background where pay rises 
I never guarantee. <laughs> What's with the uh, guaranteed bonus? Uh, is it tied to doing the jobs properly or? No, no. From what we can tell, this wages policy that he hasn't explained to them, but I, from what we know, it's what, a thousand bucks just straight every year. Yeah. So a thousand dollar bonus, yeah. irrespective <laughs> of performance. Yeah. There's never been a thousand dollars for. Turning for not, out for not for well, you don't even have to turn up. Uh, I mean, the the, just the, the sick leave and everything else is very generous and right. you know, but uh, it's thousand dollars for not leaving. I think right. uh, <laughs> it's staying in your job. Okay, well, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> uh, it is. It is. I, I can't even begin to describe to you how frightening the disparity between the private sector and the public sector is in mm. terms of wages in the Northern Territory. Yeah, like you were saying a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I, I can tell you it is something that worries us mm. Yeah, because we look around the table. I'm not just talking about lawyers. I'm talking mm. about admin staff, support staff, uh, people doing uh, paralegal type of work. We can't compete with the public service. Mm. No. We can't. Mm. And the yeah. worst thing about it is, they look at firms like ours as fertile ground yeah. to employ people because they know we've trained them up extremely well. Yeah. You know, they know that they're going to go in there and do the job better than anybody else in there. So it's just, it's the only jurisdiction in the country that I'm aware of where public servants earn more than the private sector. Mm. It's mm. the only jurisdiction yeah. I know. And, yeah. and significantly more too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and what did they do though at that point? Like what would placate you? Some contracts? Should we throw you some contracts here and there? And you know, I it's just the whole system. It's the way that they've got it set up here. Like that. The, the, like I said, that other story where, where we know where they're using federal money that's supposed to be used for other purposes to attract them and to keep them and to I mean, how do you compete? You just won't. And and he's taking money out of private companies' hands to do that, to maintain the public service levels at where they're at. Exactly. I mean, with, at, it just can't go on You're like that. You're borrowing $4 million a day, right, mm -hmm. to uh, pay public servants more than they would earn in the private sector. Yeah. So thereby crushing the private sector because where do we find the people from, right? Yeah. Uh, and really, the, the end game here is that the NT, the last person to leave, can turn the lights off. <laughs> exactly. That's how it's going to end. Well, yeah. and it's going to end with yeah. like 20,000 public servants still all in a building together and the rest of the place is tumbleweeds yeah. going through yeah. it and weeds everywhere. And, and who are yeah. they servicing exactly? <laughs> and themselves. Like, 22,000 yeah. public servants. And I listened oh. to Kay Densley uh, on, on uh, the radio the other day with um, Katie Wolfe. I'm sorry, but with all due respect to Kate Ensley, they're unhinged. <laughs> the, 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 the unions are completely unhinged. They have no grasp of reality. <laughs> Katie Wolf, Wolf was asking her, okay, you know, you, you guys are, are getting paid a lot already. You know, the public, the private sector had to do it tough during COVID. They were happy to have a job during COVID. Mm. You're going to make some uh, concession, essentially. And her yeah. response was, well, you know, the public the public service was called on to do a lot during yeah. COVID. I just found that staggering. Mm. Of all the lines you could have pushed, this, oh, well, we had to do our job, is not the one that I'm going to sit there and <laughs> well, go, well, 
Thanks so much. And then she took it a step further and said that the Territory Economic Reconstruction Commission report has been all thrown on the public service to implement. Yeah. So now, <laughs> no, there's one guy doing it. Gino Luglietti is the guy implementing it on behalf of the government. Gino Luglietti. He's actually in charge of implementing it for the government, like to wow. work with people to make sure it's implemented. They've got so um and that's probably a political contract anyway. So words to the effect of oh, you know, this and this is the thanks that we get, you know, we don't feel loved, we don't we're not thanked. Wow. You know, just get a grip for yeah. Christ's sake. You don't get thanked for doing your job. They're not gonna get a lot of support and there's talk there about industrial action and stuff and um I just don't see where they're going to get a lot of support from, <laughs> from territory. It's like, look, there's going to have to be concessions made. It just has to be. But at the same time, they can look across the table at Michael Gunner and say, what have you done? Mm. What have you done to fix any of this? Like, you're putting it all on us now. But what have you yeah. done? And yeah. he hasn't done anything. And in fact, you know, that. so he says that this is the biggest, single biggest cost savings measure in the in the budget this year and he's already got a budget of two so like good luck with them on anything else but who knows he's they've done this before um but he says it's going to be about 400 and some million uh over four years about 106 million a year like i said i don't see where that is the big revolutionary change and culture change that langelant discussed he discussed a whole culture change here that's not it Saving a hundred yep. million bucks a year when you're staring down a two point four five billion dollar deficit this year, yep. eight point four billion debt, but the deficit this year alone is going to be nearly two point five billion, and you're coming up saying, oh, "I got a hundred million here." Well, it's <laughs> a good start, man, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to keep going. Um, and that culture change, we're just not seeing, it. and and then and that I think the public service has to take on board themselves too and say. <laughs> Yeah, but are you going to do that? I don't know. So here we are in the territory. Well, mate, um, the other part of the estimates that um, got a fair bit of mention was uh, the was crime. The NT Police Commissioner Jamie Chalker says police could be arresting some young offenders in Alice Springs two to three times a day, but can't say for sure because retrieving stats of arrests is not straightforward. And it would mean taking police off the streets to provide accurate data. He said that. Mm. <laughs> they may also have lost the filing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says that the cops who in charge of the filing cabinet have to go through it manually, that it is a filing cabinet. And he kept right. using the phrase deep dive. Oh, that's a deep dive. Like, you know, he does this thing and he was talking about drones. That's and I gentleman thought, again. He's back. Well, how can I do? Yeah, but he, he does it. <laughs> Providing our stats. You know, it's just, and, it's, and he said yeah. something about drones or somebody asked him about drones. And I thought, oh, geez, someone finally called this man on the fact that he can't communicate He's properly. But, yeah, but now they were <laughs> talking about flying machines. Right, right. Anyway, yeah, listening to him talk again was remarkable that he he throws this out there. So Leah, you know, when we talked about this story from a couple of weeks ago when they came out and said we have 217 prosecution files, nobody knows what that means. I mean, how many people are we talking yeah. here? Well, they got into that a bit and um, saying that they could reveal that. But what Leo wanted to know was how many of them have been out on bail? You know, how many of them had been repeat offenders, had, had, had reoffended while being out on bail? And how does that work? And, and, you know, what needs to be done here? And so then Chalker says, no, we can't. We can't 
get that information for you, like without going to this operation or strike force Viper that's been set up in Alice Springs and getting them to come off the street because we need to ask them how many times they've arrested a particular person. And like, this is in promise, the promise system that they call it the promise system. So that's their like online database yeah. where they file everything. Now the cops, we've heard from a lot of cops since the story come out saying, you know, he's not telling the truth. This is, uh, you can easily get that information. Mm. It's all there. Type but, in surname. Yeah. Wait for it to pop up. <laughs> yeah. And the dates should all be there. And, um, so he he's just they're getting away from that and Leah Fanakero, the leader of the opposition, she's right to you know question them further about this and ask why are you not just giving it to us here? Yeah, like, we yeah. need to know. But you know the the other remarkable thing that I thought of Chalker when he was talking about that was that he's arresting children two or three times a day and he just thinks that's normal. Yeah, but this is the and, same. And, and it is I guess. But I mean, what where we live and and. At what point do you realize that that has to change? That, I mean, why is he not saying, you know, guys, we're arresting two or, people yeah, exactly. two or three times a day. We need yeah. to do something. I need more reason. I need whatever I need. But he's just saying, oh, yeah, we're arresting two or three times a day. Possibly. Right we just don't know. Well, yeah. But last week, they told us that crime's fine. Mm. It, it's on the decline. So this, yeah, It was like Kate Warden came out well, and said yeah. something like that, some stupid so, like so that. So how, yeah. how do we reconcile all these numbers? Without um, saying too much, uh, being a community community advocate myself, I can tell you guys that every night there is a, uh, what do you, there is a what do you call it when you the community forms a lynch mob, <laughs> and it's out every night getting people there. Yeah. There are the citizens. They're, uh, yeah, Citizens arrest for vigilante. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the vigilante groups are out there. Every yeah, no, night. that gets dangerous. Yeah, they're, they're out there every night. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's well, what are they doing? So they they communicate and they are trying to keep the community safe. That's the level we're getting to now. But yeah, and then they're they're that's fraught with issues. The people, yeah. Police don't want to see Legal that issues. happen. But okay, I get so why they're doing you're, it. You're going to be. Yeah, I'm talking more about it. Oh, I get why they're doing it. I mean, just yeah. crime everywhere. I mean, I'm closing the gate. We're locking the doors more than we used to now. And we live up in the northern suburbs just because we know it's a problem. You've seen it. We've seen it. Yeah, it's just yeah. happening everywhere. everywhere and it, yeah. there is a sense, and whether that's anecdotal or not. I mean, you know, the cops and their goddamn statistics, right? Like the other, <laughs> the other thing that that this really bothers me, and this came up when they yeah. were asking about this because Robin Lamley said, "All right, you said you got 217 prosecution files between you know these seven weeks." How many did you have the seven weeks before that? Oh, we don't know that. Well, why don't you know that? And then he says, well, why would you want that? It's We weren't active. And then, no, that's why we want it. Because we need to see the context here. We need yes. to see what was going on before you started. But the police, when they release their numbers, and there's a reason we don't report on those stats, mm. and we actually stopped at the NT News doing that when I was there. Mm. I mean, Ben Smee talked about that, was that uh, – well, you know, besides the stats lying and all of that stuff is that they're they're not useful. They're not helpful. So they'll say, here are the stats to the end of December and here are the stats from the same time last year to the end of December. There's yeah. That does not mean anything. That does not mean anything from a year before, the month before. What was it just the month before, guys? Like, and let's see what where the trends are. You're not going to identify trends in crime looking at this 12 month stuff yeah. and saying that from a year ago, this month, like what's happened in the time since then. But they don't give us that information. They just give you the what they want and compare it to a year before, which is there's no context there. So and whilst that's going on, 
I'm waking up every morning and I see, and I'm not exaggerating, guys. I see about ten or twelve suburbs hit every night. Mm. Whilst they're trying to get stats, that's what I'm up from community members reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's live. yeah. But I mean, and imagine all the people who don't like. You know, like we had a guy jump over the fence. The other night I had the gate closed and we're watching a movie and I see the, like, and, and the way their coach is on his outside and you can see it's on the patio and I start seeing these shadows and mm. like, that shouldn't have been seeing shadows mm. out there. Something's going on and I open the door and a guy's there trying to steal beer out of the fridge that we had in the front and he falls backwards and he runs and jumps over the fence and catches himself on the fence, face plant on the street. <laughs> but what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, am I actually going to waste the rest of my evening calling the police to say this guy's trying to mm. steal some alcohol or something? Like, that's yeah. just not going to report it. So that doesn't get reported. Because I've tried report. before. Yeah, I've yeah, tried before. And you're on there for an hour and a half or something, and then they don't, they're not coming by. So, yeah, so there, there's issues, uh, like you said. Yeah, I, I don't. So we know the numbers are out by at least one. <laughs> no, I imagine so many. But, yeah, I just want to see them somehow get to that point where we know what's going on in the community. I think that's the whole thing, too. I mean, that's the frustration in Alice Springs is here they are saying, oh, we're fixing everything. I mean, you had Kate Warden go on and say, oh, I think Alice Springs fine now. It's, just, it's like she said that the it other is, day. It is fine if you don't live there. <laughs> yeah. Poor Katie got copped it afterwards. So yeah, yeah. Did yeah. she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, so many people just wanted to bring in and say, well, hold on, that's not actually correct. Because that's the sense that the people are getting, Liz, that yeah. we all know that it's a problem, but the government and the police aren't acknowledging it. And not the real police, but the executive yeah. of the police are not recognizing, not acknowledging that there's an issue and until they do. Yeah. Well, mate, uh, you know, uh, to continue the, the crime theme, one of the really disturbing uh uh, you know, matters that happened last week was the um, supermarket assault and rock throwing at the Woolworths uh, in in the city, no less. Mm. And it's from so. what I heard, people were uh, uh, there was a group of youths that went and took rocks and started throwing them in Woolworths itself, mm. and they hit the the back of the shop. Even though I must have been throwing them pretty hard to get to the back mm. of Woolies. Yeah, and there was a guy on social media saying that the little girl almost got hit yeah. with a giant rock. Yeah, yeah. Damage her. Yeah, like that. Sorry to interrupt. That no. guy is, 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 is an MMA fighter. He's what? He's a, he's a mixed martial artist. Oh, yeah? He's not, the so, guy throwing the rocks? No, no, no. The guy that <laughs> told him to go away and then they came back. Oh, uh, right, right. The guy that he was defending him. happened to. He's not a weak person yeah. at all. Yeah. Jeez. They don't care, right? No, That's about the, just That's getting emboldened. Though. Yeah, it does Did seem that, that? Yeah. they're more emboldened now and doing that kind of stuff. Like, that's really bold. And That's is this because Leah was on uh, Katie Wolf yesterday or the mm -hmm. day before um, talking about this. And she, she, was asked, she said she was asking the government questions and estimates about the fact that is this part of the government's policy? of generational change. And we've got to put up with this for the next 30 to 40 years while the government works through these uh, these recommendations from I don't know which report. Um, and therefore, that's why the Bail Act has been watered down so yeah. that you can't hold people at all. You've got basically a presumption in favour of bail unless it's for murder or terrorism, yeah, is, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what happens to everyone else? Home time. Vigilante groups. Yeah. 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 The, the, the I, Coles was set on fire in, 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 the, 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 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, politically, though, politically, I mean, that comes down to a failing in the government to explain its policy properly to people. Like, we should all know that. The fact that the leader of the opposition is going out there saying, well, what does it mean? Do we have to wait 25 years and not a generation? Um, If the government could communicate exactly to people what it's doing and maybe show the results instead of hiding behind these skewed figures that they want to release, then maybe they can get some. But they just don't seem to to want to be taking the public with them on it. And that's to their own detriment for sure. And like I said, though, I'd like to see the politics taken out of it. I think that they've all got to get on board with all the agencies and all the other external stakeholders and take the politics out of them, find solutions and all of them just stick to it and do it and explain to everybody what's going on. What are we actually going to do? This whole generational change. Oh, well, you know, and Madison will say as police minister, oh, we want to start early here. Well, okay, but what does this mean? Like we talked about that. There was a kid who would have been like three when, when Gunner started this and four and a half years later, he's arrested for doing something like, so at what point, what does this mean? Didn't this? get to him early enough. Didn't get what? Didn't get to him early enough. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> But what does that mean? Like, what, where, where are people going to see the results? What can Gunner point to as something substantial and, and tangible at this point for over four years into this yeah. strategy? Because you should start seeing something now and at least tell people what it is so we, we know what to look for. But that's not happening right now, and that's to their detriment. Yeah. Well, uh, on another note, Chris, and, and this is a bit of a, a, a two-part thing, but uh, the member for Lingiari, Warren Snowden, has announced his retirement from federal politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just this afternoon. Uh, was a Was, as you guys call him. Or Warren's a was I think I called him what – I can't remember the first time I met him. It wasn't pleasant. Um, <laughs> for him or you? For both of us, I think. <laughs> um, I just remember him being at a press conference, and it was like the first time, and I've been there like three and a half years or something, and it's the first time I run into this guy at a press. It was the first time he had a press conference in like mm. three and a half years. I mean, like they said, the man who wasn't there. Um, and I can't remember now. I'm trying to think what it was, but it really was. It was really quite confrontational in that because I just found him to be a bit, you know, I don't know. It just didn't seem to me to ever really be there and be out right. fronting anything and, and, and talking about things that maybe he should have been. Uh, and just some people I've talked to, you know, I've been here a while now. And for him, it's been 33 years since he was first elected, I think 31 all up in Parliament. And I think that's kind of the sense that people have, right? Incredible that, amount of time. Yeah. yeah but 1987 yeah, yeah. was when he was elected. Fair bit's changed since then. And um, what, 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 what does he point to on his way out? I don't know. Like, Well, the only thing that I can remember, hmm. this is going to be slightly embarrassing, Yeah, was him and uh, Kevin Rudd. At some strip club in New York. <laughs> did, did you remember that one? <laughs> I did not. No, it's for ministerial business. I can't business. imagine K Rudd at a strip club. <laughs> I, well, they're yeah, trying to. That, uh, I didn't realize Snowden was with him. I did was, hear that one recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah there he, was was, some, he was nodding behind him. <laughs> and I think Waza was organized at all, but uh, I have to go back and reread the, the piece really? on that. Yeah, but. Oh, Joe, I'd love to have seen the, the group emails that went out about that. <laughs> uh, so that's what I remember. The other thing I remember about him is uh, what, we had someone on the podcast um, his name escapes me at the moment Lieutenant Creek uh, uh, 
her her mum Maggie Maggie her mother was a, a politician. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah Hickey. Sarah Hickey. Yep. Gotcha. Sarah Hickey said Warren Snowden came to court her mother into joint becoming a politician. Oh god. In Tennant Creek back in the day, and uh, apparently he his his language was profanity laced. And Sarah was absolutely aghast. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard those kinds of stories too about him. But. True territory boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. What do you? You want? You wanted to pay tribute? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> certainly not to that. Uh, what I do want to pay tribute to, though, is that uh, it, it's. I think it's official now. It's been announced that the NT is going to keep its uh, two federal seats, yeah. which has been pushed for quite some time. What, what's interesting about that? And look, you know, full disclosure, I was I was speaking to the the NT electoral commissioner about it. <laughs> uh, we won't name names, but <laughs> uh, Mr. Ian Logan Nathan. And, uh, yeah, he sort of explained the system to me because we've talked about this for a while and people have been, you know, fighting for this, retaining the second seat. But what what actually happened in the process was they did their investigations and their inquiries and the reality was that it was determined uh, within their, their act and how it all works that really the Northern Territory should only have one seat. Mm. Based on population. Yeah, yeah. population, yeah. So they've changed the act. Mm. Which, you know, as he pointed out, um, he did a redistribution within seats before the last election and it would be the equivalent to after that election the government going, well, we didn't like that and changing it back. Mm. So although we can high-five ourselves and say, great, we've got two seats, Mm. it's come at… Great cost. Yeah. Mm. And and the fact is that the system can really be manipulated yeah. as they see fit. So, mm. you but know, that received bipartisan support, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it had everybody on board with that one. Yeah. But it's interesting that he, he's announced his, his retirement now. The day after. Right, that. because because had that not happened and we went back to one seat, hmm. I don't know that he would have been elected. Right. Oh, yeah, because really. if, it, if it absorbed Darwin Palmer's yeah. Day, yeah, it would have been different. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I thought they were getting rid of it because of him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you have to do. Get rid of a seat if you have to. I don't want Warren Snowden in here anymore. But no, I think, yeah, then they were going to amalgamate it in. Or would have been Gosling. I I don't know how that would have Possibly, yeah, one or the other or or somebody else. But um, It'll be interesting. uh, What I also find interesting, too, was that, uh, you know, he he, he became a uh, politician in 1987. He lost his seat in 96, which is when John Howard came to power. Yeah. And then Howard had a quick election in 98 to put through his gun. I th- well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't guns. It was um, GST mm-hmm. to put uh, through the GST yeah, yeah. legislation. Yeah. And obviously whoever won that seat off Snowden in 1996 lost it in 98. Yeah, right. So Snowy had a good, you know. He was only yeah. out for two so years. A couple of years off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Back in. And then it, yeah, it just seemed like he was entitled to that seat almost. <laughs> that was the thing that, you know, he just kept winning it. And I'm not sure that he did as much as he <laughs> probably should have for it in all that time. And that's just, you know, all talking to people too. I mean, um, anyway, it's a long career. And, 
Yeah, I, sure I was kept shocked. himself busy, but I like I said, I just I didn't see him in, in press conferences very much I, at all at once. <laughs> all because I've been here <laughs> in press conferences much at all once, even. Yeah. So, um, anyway, well, that's it. That's it, mate. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming in, and uh, Pete. Thanks, and Pete, the professor. That's thank you for putting all, all of this together. Uh, I think oh, it's uh, it's you know it's it's really nice to be able to get together and. Uh, I'm not sure when the next time it is we're going to get together like this. Well, if we don't have another global pandemic, uh, <laughs> it may be sooner rather than later. Right, right. Have you made up your mind whether you're coming back to Darwin or going to Cairns? Well, <laughs> I, hear, I, hear, I hear that rural Queensland is really nice for Christmas. <laughs> the chief minister said Absolutely. rural Queensland, really nice for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah it so. is. Um, I'm not sure we can disclose that sort of information on this date, Leon. <laughs> you know I like to embarrass you on the I'll holiday, take, mate. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that under advisement. Take it on notice, yeah, mate, like, like the rest of the days to give you an <laughs> You've got until the end of January, I think. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thanks for coming, and um, I guess we'll see you next week, right? Absolutely, yeah. We'll be back. We'll just be uh, like we normally do on the using the technology. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Weekends with Walshy back again next week on the Territory Story podcast. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.